Welcome to Turnpikers, the show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech scene. We're your hosts, Luke Beatty and Danny Newman. Information about this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Welcome to this episode of Turnpikers. We have the good fortune of having the rich and famous Eric Matisic with us today, who's who's now about to uh, take off on his uh, newest adventure, and we we booked him on the show before he before we even knew this was this was uh, uh, going to be such great timing. So, uh, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Danny. Excited to be here, and uh, really excited about this new program. It's something we really needed to pull together the ecosystem, and uh, your first episodes have been awesome. Thanks. Give everybody a, a quick little background on all the stuff you've done in the past, and then we'll dive into what you're doing now. Most of the 10 to 15 people that listen to this podcast know who you are, <laughs> uh, but why don't we just spend a few minutes on that before we start asking some real hard-hitting questions. Well, I, I would say first and foremost, I am a lover of Colorado. Being a native, um, I spent 15 years in the private sector, um, and I should say like building companies, startups here, in the, in, in, but in my new role, this private sector is this word that captures anything that's not civically driven. Um, and about four years ago, I made the decision to really dive in really deep to see if we could really build a bunch of infrastructure, build a bunch of programs, um, and just elevate Colorado on the national stage from a technology and innovation perspective. And so we've been really busy in that time, have been involved in projects. And we is who? I don't think people know who we is on that side. Sure. So the, the last three years I've served as a CEO for the Colorado Technology Association. Uh, it's our industry trade association for the technology economy in Colorado. A little over 600 members. Uh, we represent over 50% of the IT workforce in the state of Colorado. So over 90,000 workers are represented by our board. Wow. And those are big companies. Those are like Dish, Level 3, ViaWest, um, you know, Oracle, uh, the really big businesses that um, are not hiring two, three, five people a quarter. They're hiring hundreds of people a year. Um, and so I've just been really blessed to work with that organization and their leadership um, to elevate the voice of advocacy and making the tech economy easy to navigate in Colorado, um, driving economic development, recruiting more great companies to the state, but most importantly, taking care of our own and making sure we've got great stories like data logics and logarithm and orbotics and arrow exactly uh, to continue to drive uh, the uh, the ecosystem and then um, you know most importantly what are we doing to build more great innovators and technologists these companies can only grow as fast as they can put really wicked smart people in their offices so what are the programs and what are the higher education you know uh, frameworks that allow us to produce in our state uh, the best and brightest so we can continue to keep up with this global economy and the new endeavor. Yeah, the new endeavor. I feel uh, very honored uh, to have the opportunity to work um, with Governor Hickenlooper over the course of the last uh, last uh, greater part of the last year, and uh, recently we was appointed the Chief Innovation Officer for the state. So I have the opportunity to continue to elevate the dialogue, and uh, really credit and kudos goes to him. I mean, he uh, is a deep innovator. Um, he's an entrepreneur by background, as we all know. So having someone uh, in that role as a as an entrepreneur who's walking uh, innovation every single day, um, it's fueling our state. And, um, and he's really focused on those innovators and those builders and those leaders who want to make Colorado the best state in the union. And so I feel <laughs> the blessed. The best union. The best union. We're <laughs> going to turn this place into a union if, if, if it kills us. <laughs> you and Uber, baby. <laughs> no, it's, it's just been a blast. And I would say um, that um, couple, I think, uh, you know, I'm going back to my alma mater. And so that's something uh, I'm uh, incredibly excited about, um, having, you know, left the campus uh, about 18 years ago, um, I was invited back by uh, Chancellor Chop and J.B. Holston and Brent Kreit and uh, Marty Katz and the entire you know, team over there to, to help 
translate and, and that's build the University of uh, Denver. University of Denver. Yep. Yeah, University of Denver. And uh, really translate entrepreneurship, innovation, and technology onto campus. Um, and the secret plan is to really build that MIT or Stanford of Colorado by bringing the industry and those uh, and innovation as close to the campus as possible, while getting students and faculty deeply involved in the dialogue that we're all involved in every day um, to accelerate innovation, invention, uh, get more people to work in these great great uh, industries in Colorado, and just elevate University of Denver and our higher education system in the state to one of the best in uh, in the U.S. And how much connectivity is there going to be for you? from obviously these are both sort of new but the connectivity that you see between being the state's chief innovation officer and then the program at DU yeah I feel incredibly or or uh, and asked in a different way how did how did you how did you <laughs> convince them that you could have two full-time jobs so, or did so, they even yeah. know do they know not yet not they yet. don't no, know no, no, no. Yeah, so that's gonna be this is breaking news <laughs> breaking news breaking yeah, news. yeah Eric has accepted two full-time jobs without <laughs> the company's knowing. no it's it's um my uh, my appointment with the uh, with with the governor. Um, uh, he's an incredible recruiter of volunteers to drive um, our state. And so when you look at some of the folks that have been behind me, take Aaron Kennedy, um, who's our chief marketing officer, who actually really had a full time job. Um, you know, my job is uh, to lead as the chair of the Colorado Innovation Network, and then you know advise on uh, innovative activities here in the state of Colorado. And so. Um, uh, it's definitely something that's going to take my time, uh, but it's not uh, a full a job in full time capacity. How long has that role been? The chief innovation officer is that a? It's 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 been in place since the Colorado Innovation Network was created. So I think it's probably, probably about five years. Okay. Uh, the last chief innovation officer was held. Uh, the position was held by Mark Serangelo, who's the CEO of Sierra Nevada. Did a terrific job building out the Colorado Innovation Network. Uh, executed two wonderful programs and really embodied what we were trying to do with that. And so I think in in this role we're you know we're trying to. Really, re, uh, you know, kind of take the Colorado Innovation Network to the next level, but also bring in dialogue across all these emerging industries that have deep innovation. So, take agriculture, or healthcare, or oil and gas, um, insurance, banking—these things that have not yet been touched by technology and innovation heavily. How do we bring in those really big economies into this dialogue that us technologists have been talking about for a long time? And so, it's that bridge, a natural bridge for the work I've been doing to do that. Um, uh, the, the full-time job and uh, where my heart lives every single day is bridging uh, the activity uh, that the University of Denver and their leadership team have done a terrific job building over there um, with the, the, our industry and tech economy here in Colorado. And so Chancellor Chop, she's been in the job for a little over a year, um, has just brought an entirely new chapter of leadership to that, to that campus. If we think back over the last 15 years, Dan Ritchie, who we all know and love here in Colorado, he really put together all those amazing buildings, the lacrosse stadium, which Luke, I know you love to go to, um, and really kind of took the DU of old to a DU of new through physical space. Uh, Bob Coombe stepped in and kind of you know stabilized that huge growth era, and uh, Chancellor Chop has come in. She's hailing from incredible university. She's led institutions like this before. Um, she's the first female uh, chancellor in the 150-year school of history, and she's moving fast. She's very inclusive. She's an amazing leader, and she's putting people like J.B. Holston and Brent Kreit and uh, David Miller, who ran the Denver Foundation for 20 years, to build a philanthropy uh, institute inside of the uh, a philanthropy program inside of the University of Denver. She's just being innovative, and she's going to take it to the next level. And it's an incredible time to be there, and to do it through innovation, entrepreneurship, and technology with uh, the project Excite, which we're building. Uh, it couldn't be a better time to 
take that energy, orientate it to you know the broader community, and expose them to all the really cool stuff that's happening there. But most importantly, 110% focus on the students and faculty to get them deeply engaged. So when they graduate, uh, they're already thinking like innovative leaders. What am I going to build? Am I going to build a nonprofit organization? Am I building a political campaign? Am I building a company? Whatever those tools are, they've got a resource inside the campus to grab that and go be awesome builders. Project X site. What's is that an acronym? What's the uh, what's the or is it just project? Yeah, Project X, and then <laughs> couldn't I, they come up X with it? Couldn't they come up with a, a, a get the word University of Denver in there somehow or? Project Excite. Uh, it is a, it is a wholly run wholly within the organization within the university though. Wholly right? owned within the university. Yep. Yeah, and, and the the acronym uh, ITE is is innovation technology and entrepreneurship. Got so it. the real fusion is to take these schools that usually live by themselves. So take the business school. There's an entrepreneurial program inside of there, and a lot of universities it just lives there. Yep. And, and even Colorado, the best ones just live there. Uh, the breakthrough idea, uh, which was really led by J.B. Holston and Chancellor Chop, um, was to say, let's look at this in a universal fashion. Let's, there's entrepreneurship and innovation and technology and the same in the law school as in the business school as in the science and computer science, uh, science, math, engineering school. Let's look at all those and what are the commonalities and then what are the unique elements that allow those schools to excel, but let's share this thing called innovation, entrepreneurship, and technology so we're not fighting, we're collaborating and we're elevating. And so Project Excites that attempt to start with those three schools and then use that as a platform to unite not just those three, but all the departments on campus through this dialogue of how do we create the best builders, innovators, and entrepreneurs of the future at DEO. And yeah. so it's a huge experiment. It's heavily supported by the chancellor and the leadership of the, uh, at the university. And it's one of the first of its kind to combine all three departments in a unified strategy to elevate entrepreneurship and innovation to the highest level on campus. Led by the students in the front and the faculty deeply engaged um, and with deep research and, and really driving on the core tenets around entrepreneurship that uh, higher education uh, can really excel. So if that works out well, in five years you have the university is producing what would you say? Would you say it's incubating businesses? Is it producing sort of these incredibly well-prepared, diverse students? Is it keeping kids on campus after they graduate so that they're sort of like an innovation center for folks once they've left the school? Or have you and JB sort of figured out like, what does that look like in five years for people Sort of so it, it, it's the project right now is really embryonic, and so there's a framework and a box where it lives. But I think the first things first is to really get that collective inclusion on campus to define what Project Excite is. Um, for us to walk into a huge university with you know a 150 year legacy and say, hey, we're a bunch of entrepreneurs, we're going to do this, so everyone's going to follow follow in suit, and we've got this amazing idea that's going to transform higher education. It's dead on arrival. Like it, it doesn't go anywhere. And there's a lot of in, there's a lot of carnage that have of institutions that have tried to hire that leader or that that that, that program and never integrated into campus. The the secret sauce around Project Excite as we get started is just as Chancellor Chop uh, started with uh, um, you know Imagine DU. She took a, a national tour, asked every single alum and trustee and, and donor, if you had the perfect DU, what would it be? What's missing? We're going to do the same thing with Project Excite. So. You know, to say what it's going to be five years from now, that's a product of what the students, the alumni, the faculty, and the staff all want it to be. At its core, it's a, it's a, it's a translation of what Dee's been doing for 150 years, which is producing amazing leaders across industry, across you know, organizations, but adding, a, adding an element of risk, adding an element of entrepreneurship, and an, ele an element of innovative thinking. So they're really prepared 
for you know, those of us who've been entrepreneurs our whole career, uh, to be much more nimble, to be much more agile in their thinking, to be contemporary in how they approach solving problems, and marrying that uh, with the opportunity to be great leaders. And so when we look at Project Excite five years out, um, there's some great markings on the wall as it relates to Stanford and MIT um, with things like the Design School or some of their Pitch Fest or some of their really big innovation programs that they have global institutes where they kind of take Stanford off campus and they take it into industry or they take it to other countries. There's a lot of different programs that can be um, connected to Project Excite. But we really hope that the campus uh, and the leadership help define it and they own it because with that really deep ownership on campus, not only is everyone excited about what we've built, but they're engaged in attending, they're engaged in owning it, and it's something that they, they, they really know and love. And so we're early, and I think with that inclusion, we'll define it, but at its core, it's really about elevating leaders and making sure that they have the innovative and next generation tools to be effective in this new generation of work. What's your input, Luke? I mean, you were a high school teacher. I mean, yeah. you, you, back, at, back at Galvanize, I mean, I, one of the first times I walked into Galvanize with Jim Dieters, um, you know, the, the uh, real estate agent said, you know, this, this school is not only special because it's an amazing uh, Galvanize one, but Luke Beatty actually taught inside of this building. Right. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, I, I, as, a, as a person who lives, you know, uh, a driver and a pitching wedge from the campus. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, th to me, it's, I feel like it's the most incredible story in town for the last 10 years. I mean, if you think about every small private university in, a, in cities all across the United States, I'm sure they all have these incredible 20-year plans to change from being a sort of smaller, less influential, kind of where, where do I fit in the in the world of academia to being something that has had the insanely fast growth that DU has had from an enrollment perspective, from a physical plant perspective, from a curriculum. Per I mean, I don't, I've never seen anything like it. You it's, know? it's incredible. I mean, you look at, I, I sat on a plane uh, not so long ago with a uh, very senior administrator at the University of Cincinnati. And that's kind of a corollary, right? You know? And among those people, there's no one's ever seen anything that's happened as fast and as efficient and quality growth of a private university in a city environment, right? And mm -hmm. there's so many advantages and restrictions of being in a city, but it's it's incredible. And every time they roll out a new thing that they're going to do, it's it's done. It's done really well. It's done with the best people. And you know, the thing that I always say about DU that's incredible too is like now people stick around. That's right. Right. Sure. I mean, I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Whether they're um, people go to that university and then and then they stay. They might even stay staying working at the university. I've never seen a, a college or university have that kind of uh, retention of just human capital. Uh, it's and they just stick around and they keep building it. Whether they're administrators, like I say, or students. And it's interesting so. to see. I mean, you've watched that. Uh, you know, twenty five years ago, you know, that was a that was an or, uh, organization in a in a school that was. Um, going through some hard times. Yeah. And you know, when I was a kid, it, I don't know that it crossed the mind of anyone, but like ten of my friends, probably <laughs> same for both of you guys who grew up here. In the neighborhood. I didn't know anybody yeah. that thought about going to DU. It didn't totally. even, and we would, and we obviously were on campus all the time. But I don't, I don't know anybody that was that was efforting to go there, except for like you know a very few select people who had a very specialized reason for wanting to do that. And now they're lined up. Around the building three times. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, the enrollment's never been higher. Oh. Um, and the physical plan, I mean, Dan Ritchie and the board of trustees over that, you know, 15-year period that he was involved, and they spent half a billion dollars building real estate on that campus. 
amazing new uh, you know physical plans for fitness. In a short fitness, period of time. Elevated it to Division One, built a new business school. And the thing that got me most excited, um, one, uh, you know, full disclosure, when I was at DU, um, my when my, my third day of school um, as a freshman, I started a company. Um, it paid for majority of my school, so I had this really entrepreneurial experience at DU personally. Um, and I look back, and I didn't have a, I didn't have an outlet. Like I was this entrepreneur that was selling T-shirts and sweatshirts and embroidering stuff, but I didn't have like a group of folks I could hang out with and be like, "Hey, like, where do I get a, a line of credit? Like, I got this really big order. My grandma's totally tapped. Like, right. like, how do I solve this problem? I had no resource on campus inside of a big school at the time to really effectively manage that. And so I think bringing that type of easy resource pool to the campus is gonna be amazing. Um, but I think the, the other thing is that students want it. We have millennials that they wanna build stuff and not just companies, they wanna build political organizations, they wanna build nonprofits. They, want, they just, they just happen, wanna yeah. build stuff. They just wanna be impactful and live impactful lives. And you got guys, like J.B. Holston, um, you know, who, you know, like you, Luke, he, you know, one point he ran Ziff Davis, you know, he was a senior executive at Yahoo where you worked. Um, he worked for, you know, GE at the most senior levels and he started a handful of companies here in Colorado. I mean, he's a heralded entrepreneur that's now going in as a dean that doesn't have an advanced degree that's flipping around the mechanics of that element inside the university saying, the past is amazing, but our future is brighter. Yep. And we've got to rethink the way that higher education is delivered, and we've got to do it through entrepreneurship and innovation. So it's a really exciting time. You've been, I feel like, the uh, a, a huge driver and, and the main kind of uh, push uh, behind a lot of the Denver startup uh, scene. I think you, uh, I think we owe you uh, a, a huge amount of, uh, you know, uh, thanks and uh, credit for really just elevating everything that we're doing here in this scene. Um, so I definitely think that you know everything that you're doing at uh, at DU, it's going to happen because when you put your effort behind stuff, it, it really cranks out. Can you talk a little bit about like, I mean, you in a very short amount of time really built you know built what we've got here in the Denver startup scene, uh, Denver Startup Week. Um, you know everything, all the work that you've done at CTA. You really brought the community and uh, everyone together. In a very short amount of time, I feel like uh, you know Boulder, uh, um, you know, had this very nice uh, concrete uh, community, and Denver was just lacking any kind of organization and, and community. Mm -hmm. You know, the people were here, but I really see you as the guy who kind of brought all of that together. Uh, can you give uh, give us a little background on, you know, on well, thank all you, of Danny. that? And I mean, uh, um, humbly, I mean, there's a lot of people that have built Denver. And I think just like this program, like the fact that you took the initiative to say, hey, I'm Luke, I'm Danny, I'm sick and tired of this Boulder, Denver thing. There's such radical dialogue. We're all now one. We're going to start a podcast and it's going to be called Turnpikers. We're going to elevate all this amazing stuff. Story after story after story around the Colorado Tech community is that. And I would say my journey has been no different. I mean, um, I got really hooked in 2011. I met Phil Weiser and Brad Feld. Um, and uh, we launched the fifth chapter of the Startup America Partnership, which became Startup Colorado. And that was kind of a container for this early embryonic activity around what was called, you know, you know, to Brad, use Brad's words, you know, startup community building. Uh, at that time, startup communities were not a term. It was like this really, you know, ephemeral term of like, you know, people getting together in high density that were creating companies. There wasn't a startup community. And so I think in that period of time, startup communities was defined. Brad later wrote a book, as we all know, but he set forth some really important principles that to this day, whenever I violate them, shit goes really wrong. And when I follow them, 
uh, things happen really, really well. And you know, they're, they're simple, simple things. You know, like the principle around who's leading leading the um, the dialogue. You know, there are le leaders and feeders, and that really deep entrepreneurial led core. Denver Startup Week is a program that's a huge success to the entrepreneurial leadership that started that. Um, you look at uh, Denver Founders, that's an entrepreneurial led, you know, 100% grassroots effort that to this day is super strong because it's led by entrepreneurs. So that's been really, really, really important. Um, but when I think of the journey, Denver in 2011 didn't have a lot of stuff, there was nine meetups. You know, in 2015, we took quick inventory on Built In, which I helped bring to Colorado. Um, there's 92 meetups five years later. So 10 times the amount of people meeting on a monthly basis. More from, meetings. From 2000. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, but across all types of content. And so, you know, Denver Startup Week was that really big seminal thing that I yeah. think that, that, that it's got so it cooking. It's so huge. <laughs> it's amazing. How, how right? many, I mean, how many it's like, it's, it's, what happens, it's like you walk around downtown and, and it's, it's like Lanyard City. It's yeah. almost it's like, Lanyard City. I mean, we have the chance. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's right now, rough math, it's half the size of South by Southwest Interactive in its fourth year. So uh, if, the continue, if the community continues to embrace it, this could be the like, framework and the event for startups in, in not only Colorado, but in the West. And it's ours, to, it's ours to own. Brian Leach said, let's take all of our eggs out of all the baskets of the other 91 things, and let's put all our eggs in this one basket called Denver Startup Week, and let's blow that that's, thing up. That's, let's blow it up. That's the way it needs to be. I mean, if you can get everybody behind one thing as opposed to everybody deciding that they need their own thing, I, I just feel like... You know, we, we do that all the time because everybody's such a startup person that they feel like they want to start something up all the time. And That's right. I, I think there's obviously a place for that, and then there's not a place for well, that. People, but people have feet. really done that, a great job yeah. of, you guys have done that, especially as you make the, the schedule and the agenda around that. You do an awesome job of making places for the sub-communities to be a part of the bigger event so that they don't have to mm -hmm. necessarily fragment off and then have their own event, right? And it's just like, that is a, it's been, it's been done really well. Um, well got, you guys have been huge supporters. I mean, Danny was one of the, you know, uh, technically one of the founders of Denver Startup Week and that first beer that we had, you know, back in 2012. You know, yep. So it's like, it's been a community thing. And uh, it's owned by the community, it's driven by the community, entrepreneurs are the center of it. And now you've got great organizations like the Downtown Denver Partnership and the Colorado Technology Association and infrastructure that's centered underneath it yeah. that allows it to be really big. And great guys like Gal you know, Ben Data, Galvanized, Hemidor, DDP, uh, and our entire staff, our entire 300 plus volunteers. It's a big ship. Yeah, it's and, huge. Uh, it's, it's amazing, it's, it, can, it can define us. All right, so I have two things that I wanna talk to you about and get your perspective on. And two of them, you're sort of the only person I feel like is qualified <laughs> to discuss these things. So I wanna make sure that we get to them before we run out of time. The first thing is around, uh, I think when you and I went fishing a, a couple months ago, we discussed this. One of my biggest concerns about the, the Denver uh, Boulder community is that we have this problem which could be called too many startups or it could be called there's not enough bigger mezzanine level and big maybe publicly traded sort of tech organizations in the area um, and I feel like that imbalance is a big problem yep. and uh, and I don't know that people call it out uh, directly enough um, or maybe and, not even realize it. Or until, maybe it's not even yeah. really a problem. It's yeah. just something that I that I, I definitely sort of, think it's a problem. I just don't think people necessarily have made that connection. And I and I feel like we're so over our skis on on startups, 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 and um, and it, and I think the common response is well, 
we're not good at startups, so we're not built organically building mezzanine level companies and taking them into bigger enterprise environments. And that may be the case. Um, sometimes, as you guys have efforted to getting companies like Arrow to move here, um, but in any case, um, how serious do you think that 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 problem is? Yeah, I, I get asked this question a lot, and I think that it's interesting to see what's happened over the course of the last five years because. Um, there was this time when startups could really fix problems in cities. Like they were faster, more nimble, easier to fund. They were, you know, inexpensive to get going. Um, and today, you've watched these really big organizations like Dish and like Arrow come all the way down market, um, and they're competing in the same innovation circles as the startup in their defending their turf, but also iterating and accelerating their innovation internally as fast as the startup community dynastically different than five years ago. And the barriers to, you know, to, to, to move an incumbent or defeat an arrow or a dish at their game is getting higher and higher because now they're in the game. So I think having that big breadth of big companies is really healthy for all of us. But now that they're in those innovative circles and they're starting labs and they're in the city and they're hiring millennials and they're coding, they're doing all the stuff that, we, that early stage companies do, they're in the game. And so that's gonna change the way the city operates because you have really big companies operating in that MES level. I think uh, people ask about the economic development strategy and you know, why do we lose to an Austin? Why do we lose to a Chicago? And when you look at all the math, there's no reason we ever should lose. It's a better place to live. We have the most educated workforce. People we, will move here. People will move here. You can ski, you can do it. It's, it's insane. It's like, this is the best secret in the United States. But people who are making those decisions, they don't have time and they make quick decisions based on things that won't get them fired. And, and if I fly over Austin and I see a gigantic Apple banner at their Apple complex and I see a big Facebook logo and then I cruise down the street and I see a Whole Foods and then I see a, a really big logo for uh, HomeAway, I'm like, wow, Apple and Facebook, are that, that must be amazing, right? That level of engagement, which we've done a really good job through acquisition in the last three or four years, when that starts to elevate and the Twitter in Boulder becomes Twitter, the Google complex becomes big Google, the Uber mapping asset becomes Uber in Colorado, the data logics becomes not data logics, but you know, Oracle data. Like when all those things hatch up and you do the flyover and you look at those brands, you're like, that's the place. And we've got all the tiles in place. They just need to mature and the dialogue needs to mature. You think we have all the tiles in place? I think it would be amazing to have, you know, an Amazon, a Facebook, an Apple that's, uh, when they move into the space, they're a net contributor. No matter how many employees come in and work there, and no matter how many employees spin out and go work somewhere else, the organization itself is healthy. Facebook- Isn't there sometimes that there's too much emphasis on the number of people they're gonna hire? Totally, I, totally. I mean, it just seems like everybody wants to talk about that. I'm like, eh, I mean, if, if we're only going out for people, going after businesses that we think are gonna increase employment, it just seems sort of like a, it's a limiting kind of concept, right? Because I... And, and it's the right type of employees too. I mean, I think when you look at the top, I mean, the top, um, triangle of you know what I would say are high profile IT uh, next generation you know data scientist type workers um, they make a lot of money they're highly talented they're highly skilled they're highly educated and having tens of those jobs changes your economy you're seeing it in Boulder with Google 
Um, and so it, it, you know, I, I think to your point, it's not as important to focus on the jobs as it is the type of jobs, because one of those type of jobs produces five jobs in that same community mm. just to just to service it. Yeah. So if I hire a data scientist from Google and Mountain View, I've got a dry cleaner, I've got an Uber taxi driver, I've got three people at Whole Foods. Like I've got all these things that the come in to support is... that. So it's the, the type of jobs critical. The other two things I'd say that that are really important is you know, and this was probably the most provocative thing is that. Uh, I don't think from a density perspective, and you, Luke, you and I have talked about this a lot, bankable known quantity entrepreneurs in our ecosystem, the density around those, we don't have the density yet of the companies that have gone public, produced a bunch of uh, you know, proceeds for a bunch of people to go at it again. We don't have tens of entrepreneurs like the Brian Leaches and the, uh, the uh, John Levises, the Andre Durans, the Luke Beatties. We don't have tens of those walking around our community yet. Where it's just easy to say, I'm going to give, I'm going to fund that because when they do show up, and if Luke left AOL tomorrow and you said I'm going to go start a new company, your cycle to raise your round of capital would be moments. And Danny is, you know, you've you've had uh, five, seven. Companies. Danny's coming with me. Okay, perfect. Danny's coming too. But your ability to raise capital is going to be very, very short. And I think that's something that we've got to overcome is just recruiting more John Levises, recruiting these folks that come in from outside to build their companies here, the Eric Reamers, the Andre Durans. Um, And, you know, when you look at our biggest gazelles or our biggest unicorns, um, Eric Rosa, San Francisco, John Levise and and Josh uh, at at Craftsy, San Francisco. you look at the team at ProtectWise, San Francisco. So there's a bunch of value around that, and I think growing our own, but also recruiting folks in will help. The last thing, which is most important, is just why I'm doing Project Excite, is, a, is, is the best cities that have the most innovative cultures and most innovative ecosystems, they're anchored by a university. And whether it's Michigan, whether it's Austin, whether it's San Francisco, or whether it's Boston, um, those, you know, even, even Research Triangle, those areas are deeply, deeply rooted in the research core. They're deeply rooted in the, in the higher education core that supports the, the innovation ecosystem. And Boulder's done the best job in the state building those pieces together. Um, and I think there's a huge opportunity to leverage the work that's been done in Denver to really help you know, build that gateway. And not just at DU, but you know, across you know, the campuses in, in our community college space and our other, other areas of higher ed. But that's a missing link, and we don't have it. Okay, so it, this is more of a three-word answer question. If you, knowing all the things that you know from the last two major things that you've been working on and what you see at DU and what you see as an innovation officer, if somebody gave you this right-hand or left-hand choice of the Denver-Boulder area needs more venture capital money or it needs more of these bigger enterprises headquartered here, what is your answer to that question? If you could only have one, what would it be? Bigger enterprise companies that stay and sprawl. Okay. Period. We need, we need a data logics to not sell to Oracle, which has been great. They're going to give back. It's going to be a great asset for Oracle. Eric and that entire team are going to, they're already investing. They're already doing amazing things. But the difference between selling at a billion four or a billion six, whatever it's all for, and building a $50 billion campus somewhere in our ecosystem, those are dynastic. And, you know, I would love to have, and that's, that's a really big company. I would love to have a few more dish scale companies a few more DeVita scale companies, a few more OtterBox scale companies in our ecosystem that's that magnet, that's going to be much more impactful. And that'll come. Capital will come. Capital will come. Uh, Now, topic number two is around the government situation. So I've had meetings with Hickenlooper and a lot of people have pitched in everywhere I can. I think I still struggle 
with what does the state and city and local government really do for startups? Not for Davita or any of these kinds of that. We understand that there's a lot of uh, there's and, a lot of assists there. and definitely not for small businesses, not your dry cleaner and your pizza shop, which right. I think is... High-growth companies. Right. I think local government answer. gets confused I between I feel like there's sure. all these sort of like forced conversations around that. Like, yeah. well, we, maybe we, maybe this, the state should have a fund. Are there any sort of uh, tax tweaks that we could make that would better enable startups? I always feel like those conversations are eh, not really, you know, and, and, the, and the pace at which they move is obviously very different. Um, from your background in working in all these areas, like what is it that could be the way that those two could and should work together? And, and is it really, you know, it's not worth the kind of, there's not, there's not enough there there. I mean, mm -hmm. and yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. the better thing is to work with the bigger companies and let it, to your dynastic comment, let it, let it run downstream. And that, that's how it would actually affect it. But what's your thought there? Yeah, I think there is a there there. I think there, I think there's two things that, you know, having a foot both in the innovation and startup community and having a foot in government, um, I think the next wave of what we're going to see is real innovation is going to happen alongside in partnership and with government. You've already seen it with things like Uber. You've already seen it with things like Airbnb. Um, companies will live and die by their ability to manage their opportunity, their forward momentum, and their operating activity with government. And the opportunity in Colorado is that we've got a very open government. We've got people that are, are, are really engaging around these topics. And we've worked through some of the toughest solutions. Like the solution that we created in Colorado for Uber, not a lot of people know this. It was called the, it was called the Colorado solution. And intentionally, because we figured it out before the rest of the world did, and and uh, Travis and quicker uh, and quicker, and Travis is like that Colorado thing. That shit worked. Um, go do that everywhere around the world. We can, and Colorado's our model. The, if we're the Colorado solution for Uber, we should be the Colorado solution for everything in this innovation economy. So I'd say number one, the white space and the opportunity to collaborate and define the future economies in partnership with government. If we can do it faster, we'll, we will beat people to the finish line to drive the new economies in our state, number one. And I would say number two um, is that these ideas that people have, um, there's never been a better time to, 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 to bring them to the, you know, to the surface and engage in government. Um, I've seen things happen really quickly. You know, with, with our AI, our advanced infrastructure um, fund uh, that uh, the Office of Economic Development runs, you know, they've been really engaging. Like what's working, what's not working, which cycle, are we funding the right things? Are we funding the wrong things? Like, that dialogue's happening in real time. And I think if people who want to be involved in it, that door's wide open. And Colorado's wide open for business. And I think because of the combination of the administration, Governor Hickenlooper's leadership around innovation, entrepreneurship, uh, in this topic, plus with the drive to do things really fast to be the best state in the nation in these topics, if you want to be involved, raise your hand. We'll get you involved. I'll help. Anyone who wants to do it, it's never been a better time. And so I think the combination of disruption alongside in collaboration with actually saying I want to do something to, to do it and then actually doing it, Colorado is one of the rare unions where we can, you know, one of the rare states where we can do that. What's, uh, uh, last question here, I think we're uh, going to wrap up here in a sec. Um, what's, uh, what's something that you would uh, change or fix? What's, uh, what's broken in our kind of uh, Denver Boulder uh, tech scene right now? He's a really positive guy. This is a tough question for him. <laughs> look at him. Look at him struggling to come up with something. What I'd fix. That, 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 is, that is a hard question because I think that the, the, uh, the things that we've built, um, people vote with their feet. And so like the things that have not been successful, people don't show up for any, any longer, whether they're programs or they're events or whether they're accelerators. Like if they don't work, people don't go. 
Um, I think, you know, um, I still think there's a really big opportunity for us to continue to elevate um, the ecosystem across our front range. I mean, I think we're at this graduating point. When we started Startup Colorado four years ago, the whole intent was to say, okay, there's amazing things in Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, Boulder, and Denver. We're not that far apart. Let's unite and become whatever we call it, and we're Colorado. So we need to start including Fort Collins and, and other places, I guess, on this podcast. And Longmont. In oh. Loveland, is there a turnpike there? That's all. That's all <laughs> Boulder, right? <laughs> it's Boulder. Yeah, the it's Fort Collins Turnpike, unincorporated Boulder. Yeah. unincorporated Boulder. Okay, but, but uh, that was kind of a shot at us, I think. <laughs> you guys, but I, I think uh, if we were doing anything different, I just think getting that dialogue continually elevated faster. Um, and just there's no wrestling. Colorado Springs needs to be known for the stuff they're amazing at: defense, cybersecurity, um, software. They're, they they crush. You know, look what's happening in Fort Collins. Uh, they've got uh, really good um, physical manufacturing with OtterBox. They've got you know uh, AgriTech with drone companies. They've got some. They've just got really cool things happening there. So I think letting people own their own domain, propping them up, and you know the the, the faster we can continue to be that San Francisco where it's six cities that's one city the better it is for all of us. Mm. And I think that we're really, I think we're closer than we've ever been. But I think, you know, getting off a of DIA and being able to take a train in 23 minutes downtown, uh, or 33 minutes downtown, whatever the math is, uh, it's gonna change the way that people get around. And then you go to Boulder and Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, and it feels like we're together. Yep. And we're really, really close. And uh, the more we can do that, the better. All right, well, thanks for, thanks for uh, taking some time to come over here and, and talk with us. As you know, uh, we all admire you tremendously. You're the guy that makes everybody else feel really bad about how much of uh, the lack of civic effort they put into their lives. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that will rub off on, certainly on Danny and I, uh, but again, the DU thing, uh, the chief innovation officer, all the things that you do there, they're really great. And I feel like for a lot of us that work in this community, the people that usually have those jobs are a hundred arm lengths away from the people that are actually starting companies and running companies. And I think, you know, everybody in this town feels like you're the greatest lawyer they could ever have in that position because you're exactly <laughs> like they are. And well, they don't feel like there's a huge disconnect there because uh, you're, you, 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 you have been in our shoes as an entrepreneur and you're also uh, kind of know how everybody looks and feels and, and, and their perspective on it. So as you're, as you're out there, we, we always feel really, um, really well represented and, and, uh, and it's our it's our job to help out more, so. Well, Luke, um, Danny, uh, thank you so much for getting this started. I think this dialogue is the dialogue we need to connect all these pieces I mentioned earlier. Um, but this is a huge family. You know, I, I look at startup community building, innovation community building, the work that we're doing in the state. Um, we can never have enough hands on the wheel, in, you know, in the rowboat, trying to make Colorado the number one undisputed innovation capital in the United States. And uh, we're in the race. We haven't finished, and there's a long road ahead. Uh, but great guys like you that are taking the initiative to build these types of things, build amazing companies, um, you know, it's inspiring to me. And, you know, the whole reason that I do what I do is that, you know, I'm a passionate entrepreneur at my core. And if I can give back and remove barriers, open up opportunities and make it easier for you and people like you to build companies here, like my work is done. And uh, I, I, I do it with my heart. I do it with all my will. And, you know, as many volunteers and other people that share that passion, I love working alongside of. And that secret of collaboration and giving back is what makes this place so special. And I just feel honored to be here. Cheers, Derek Matusik. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for everything Thank you, guys. you do. 
You've been listening to Turnpikers, a show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech community. You can reach us directly and discover more about the show at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Please send us your questions, comments, and recommend future guests.